This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The temperature is dropping across the country. You know that. You feel it by just poking your head out the window. But what if you want to do more than just poke your head out the window? What if you want to stay active outdoors? How can you dress for the weather without sacrificing performance or being just deeply, deeply uncomfortable? Inclusive sport advocate Ryan Van Prate has some tips. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? Ryan, I'm great. As someone who used to engage in some running, I know this time of year can get a little bit complicated. What are the common mistakes somebody makes when they're dressing for a fall outdoor activity? I would say uh, overdressing, probably. And I think part of that ties into the number one mistake is not paying close enough attention to the weather, particularly the wind. Um, The sun is strong. The wind is cold. The shoulder season, spring and fall, at a really tricky dynamic when uh, when dressing. So, um, overdressing tends to be the number one fault, I would think. One of my more seasoned runner friends once told me, you should never dress for how you're going to feel the first five minutes. You should dress for how you're going to feel about 15 minutes into the run. Totally. So running, I always say show up to the run a little cold. If you're riding your bike outside, different, right? Because it's windy and that wind's going to cool you down even more. But for a run or a walk or general uh, outdoor activity, I would say, yeah, show up a little cold because you're going you're gonna to heat up. Ryan, an observation I had yesterday as I was doing some dog sitting and walking the doggo down the trail, um, leafs this time of year can be a little bit tricky. They get a little slippy out there. So what are the considerations around the right footwear in the fall? Yeah, well, I'm always about buying more gear. So uh, <laughs> investing in in maybe uh, trail shoes um, if, if you're out in more trail activities and we tend to hit the trails more just in general in the fall for that for that leaf uh, watching so being mindful of the, sh- the shoes you have the amount of rubber on the bottom and honestly um regardless of the shoes you have being mindful of the socks that you wear because a lot of the oh. shoes let a lot of the shoes let water in they're they're designed to be breathable right they're designed to keep your feet cool but in the winter and the fall, um, that often means moisture and and too cold. So a good pair of socks, I would say, is your number one uh, investment for fall weather. Ryan, when you talk about the rubber on the shoes, that's obviously going to be pretty individualistic. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's been using a pair all summer long, is there that temptation to maybe go invest in a pair just for the fall? I don't see anything wrong with it because, you know, shoes generally wear out due to mileage and due to moisture. So if you have a pair of shoes that you only use in the fall or the winter, and then the rest of the season, they stay safe and dry, they could last you a couple seasons. And so uh, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, uh, having having a, a fall or winter pair of shoes in your rotation just for for safety. And a lot of them now are Gore-Tex, so they don't allow that moisture as well. Mm. So there's a method to that madness. Is, is there a way at all to not break the bank on shoes? I know for someone like you who does like actual like triathlons and Ironmans, you know, there's probably no way around it. But for a layman like me who might do three or four K on a good run, if my ankles and knees ever allow that ever again, like is there is there like a middle ground in terms of what I might spend on a pair of shoes rather than simply going and dropping 250 or 300 bucks? 
I don't even pay that much. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think for around a hundred bucks at sport check, you're probably going to do okay. I would say start with something neutral. Don't let the salesperson say, well, you have flat feet. You need a super supportive shoe. That's uh, there's so much more to that. We could discuss another day. Start with something, just a, a plain pair of neutral neutral is the key running shoes. And that basically will get you started. And then from there, you can always uh, go to something more supportive, but honestly, the shoes nowadays, are so amazing, a hundred bucks would get you a good pair of activity shoes that would last you a really nice, long time. Nice, nice. Alex Smythe and I were bickering about this earlier this morning because this topic ended up presenting the daily poll, which folks can vote on at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And it was about the kinds of materials that may be utilized or purchased in a fitness environment. And the argument that I was making is, who cares if you're wearing a cotton shirt and dirty basketball shorts if you're just spending 20 or 30 minutes on the elliptical in a home gym? But how important is material when you consider the outdoor exercise experience? Well, number one, I would say cotton is bad. Um, okay. Just from a just from a, a heat retention, a moisture retention, a chafing point of view, okay. that's pretty much that's my number one rule is don't wear cotton. Uh, I think Things nowadays are less complicated. You go to sport check, pretty much all of the apparel there is going to be performance or moisture wicking. So if you go to a place like sport check or MEC, you're going to probably walk away with something that is going to be safe. Uh, cotton, anything? No, <laughs> maybe a cotton headband, maybe because okay. it sucks up the moisture, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit with the with the cotton side of the equation, but 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 more broadly speaking, like yeah. how important are fabrics for that outdoor experience? <laughs> totally. So so layers are important. So having something close to your skin that is moisture wicking is going to basically take that moisture off your skin and allow your skin to breathe, right? And then then having maybe a windbreaker layer or a vest, something that you can remove easily if needed. But don't wear what I'm wearing right now, a giant sweater over a cotton t-shirt, this would be a recipe for disaster. So uh, something quote unquote moisture wicking against your skin, <laughs> it, it, you're off to a good start. I'm feeling very seen here because when I used to run in the fall, <laughs> yeah. it was absolutely a big frumpy hoodie with uh, the dirtiest basketball shorts I could find. That That's probably why you don't like running. <laughs> you're just like <laughs> experience. Yeah, in are... high top running shoes, <laughs> you're just, you're not, you're in not my, helping yourself. In my out. loafers, running in my, in my yeah. slip on loafers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> with dress socks, you're just not helping yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, speaking of uh, moisture, hydration. Again, thinking about this outdoor activity that's maybe going to last for more than, say, 15, 20, 25 minutes, you're going to want to bring some hydration with you. But if it's starting to get really chilly, like right around that zero mark, what are some recommendations for bringing your hydration with you that isn't going to be an ice cube by the time uh, you need it? Yeah, two quick things. So if you wear a fanny pack with a, with a water belt, uh, keeping it out of the wind. So if it might have to be on the front, if the wind is at your back uh, or vice versa, or uh, hydropack. So the sort of collapsible water bottles, they are a bit sloshy to carry, but you can tuck them in your waistband. You can tuck them in close to your chest. Um, ladies tuck them into their sports bras uh, as well. So it, it, it's it, it, anything close to your body is going to keep it out of the wind and keep it. Um, yeah. Keep it from freezing. Ryan, only got about uh, 45 seconds to a minute left here on the clock. Again, you are someone who is an avid sports person. You do all kinds of stuff in the summer. You do all kinds of stuff in the winter. You like to train. Where do you rank running in the fall or doing outdoor outdoor exercise in the fall with the biking compared to, say, some of that harder summer training? 
I love it. This is the this is the runner's weather. I mean, that's why all the marathons happen in the spring and the fall. Ten degrees, uh, cool, sunny day, beautiful. This is uh, this is prime fall weather. But yeah, just be careful. Leaves are slippery when it's wet. Mm -hmm. The sun is lower, so that proposes different uh, concerns for for seeing. Um, but it is ideal running weather for sure not so much ideal outdoor cycling weather yeah it, it closes the window a little bit earlier if you don't like running in the dark you just know that sun's gonna get down there a little bit earlier uh but it but you're right the temperature side of it oh my gosh it's actually it's actually pleasant and amazing hey ryan this was great talking about the outdoor activities next time you and i get together we'll transition to the indoors We'll invest in some uh, better clothing for you, Dave. Okay. <laughs> I am not letting you into my closet. There is, uh, there's, you'll be very disappointed with me across the board. <laughs> that is Ryan Van Preet. He is an inclusive sport advocate talking all about how to dress for activity in the fall. I mentioned on the way out of here on Friday that I had the opportunity over the weekend to do a, a couple cool opportunities relating to the disability community with about 40 seconds left here in the show. I just want to give a shout out to Fighting Blindness Canada and their Young Leaders Summit who asked me to come present on Saturday to a few of their uh, folks in attendance, about 60 to 70 people in the room, uh, young leaders coming together from all across the country. Really cool opportunity. I was beyond grateful to uh, give young people life advice, although a lot of my friends were thinking, why on earth would anybody want life advice from you? And my friends love me and care for me deeply. And then yesterday I had a chance to emcee an event for the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities, the right tool for the job, a lot of cool information shared in that one, including the number of people with disabilities who do not have an RDSP. So that might be a topic for down the road on the show. The show comes back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.